Warning, this podcast contains questionable content of the more adult variety and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say you haven't been warned. Carla, put your pants back on. And we're back. We are back. It is Wednesday for you all listening. It's well, not Wednesday for us. It is definitely not Wednesday. Um, but here we are. Yay. Yay. I'm Michael. And I'm Carla. And we're Go Postal Podcast. We're the podcast that is your grab bag of fun for the week. We give you some boobs, some bizarre, some strange history, some crazy stories. Basically, if it's mildly entertaining and you might learn something, we're going to give it to you. But mostly yeah. poop jokes, which is fine. We had a lengthy discussion in part one about poop. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a poop joke, but it sounds like being in space is one long poop joke. So Pretty much is. Or maybe it's just one long poop. I don't know. It's just one long poop. Well, that having been said, <laughs> our, um. <laughs> our theme this week... It's space. Space, 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 space. <laughs> and as we discussed last oh. time, there is no echo in space. There is no sound in space, which blows my mind. My mind is blown. Your mind is blown. 100%. It hurts from the last episode. I'm not going to lie. I'm still contemplating much of what we discussed. <clears throat> well, prepare for it to be blown even more. For I have quite the crazy story for you. You might have heard about it. Um, it just happened last year. What? It is uh, about our very first interstellar visitor. It was an object that came into our solar system that has defied categorization from astronomers. What? And has since been... Yeah, it's since been deemed just an interstellar object because it doesn't fit the category of asteroid. It doesn't fit the category of comet. It's like nothing they've ever seen. Like, is it still comprised of the same thing, like the same basic building blocks of life that we have? uh, No one really knows. Carbon or something? They're they're only speculating. They think it's like a, a... heavy dense metal concentration but i'll get into this <gasps> okay. anyway so known as uh i'm gonna fuck this up it's a hawaiian word known as omuamua uh it's the hawaiian word for scout basically uh or scout from the past i think is the literal translation uh the object behaved uh this was back in october 2017 the object behaved unlike anything anyone has ever seen before its speed shape and density brought research researchers to the conclusion that the object was in no way from our own solar system um 
because of its form, nothing like it has ever been built in that shape before in our solar system. <clears throat> and uh, they really don't know what shape it actually is. They're only speculating. There's a few different theories out there. Uh, the most popular one is that it's like a long, thin cigar. Um but it's a long, thin cigar that's a half a mile across. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and it actually came pretty close, um, relatively speaking, about f- um, about 83 times the distance from here to the moon is when we first saw it, which was when oh. it was already leaving the system. Anyway, um, it uh, no one really knows where it could have come from. Uh, even if it came from our 4.4 light years away neighbor, Alpha Centauri, and traveling at its current speed of 196,000 miles per hour, it still would have taken it at least 50,000 years to arrive in our system. What? And that's, that, that's as long as the human race has been around. Yeah, and that's only if it came from our closest neighbor. Like, it could be from anywhere else. <laughs> what? Like, this thing has seen some shit. Uh, yeah. Well, that being said, it's all led to some speculation from Harvard researchers claiming that the object was not just a massive space junk, but a craft from an alien race. No. Yeah, no. They actually published... Um, like a peer-reviewed paper thingy? Yeah, like a peer-reviewed paper... Um, trying to back up their claim of course there's not enough sufficient data to back the claim up but nonetheless it was it was published in the astrophysical journal letters oh that that is a peer-reviewed paper that's for sure the uh the main basis for their argument is that the object increased its speed dramatically as it passed through our system and led the researchers to believe that it was powered by solar radiation what it's yeah, like nothing in our system ever travels that fast. Nothing is has uh, been observed that is anything like that shape. Like none of the gravity in our system really would have affected it because it was moving so fast. So everyone is just like, we have no idea. We just have what? 40 days of telescopic evidence that it was here. And that's okay. It. Okay. Okay. So... It, okay, you said this was discovered in October 2017? Yes. Do you think maybe they realized that Trump had been elected and they're like, fuck this shit, and they just booked it? They just, they got all the Fox News broadcasts and they were like, um, nothing. We're good. Yeah, you guys have fun with that. You're fucked. We're just going to rock it off this way. We don't care that it took us 50,000 years to get here. Yeah, we found other life in the galaxy, and it's not intelligent. Not worth it. Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) Have fun with your global warming. It's fine. (laughs) Well, that's my little story. It got a little technical, and I apologize. No, that was so cool. You learned something. I did. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Again, we have established that we are not physicists, but I'm going to think about this for a second. The only way something would increase speed because an object in motion wants to stay in motion 
and the only thing that slows it down is friction, technically there's no friction in space, but the only thing that could speed it up would be a gravitational pull, correct? Correct. So if it's just slingshot for whatever reason, it should technically hold up the same speed. Right. Unless it's affected by gravity. But it's already going faster than anything our gravity could deal with or like could affect. Right. But then it sped up and there should be no reason for that. Right. Oh my God. The scientists. (laughs) That I didn't hear about that. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Super cool. My life has been changed forever from this moment forward. I may actually believe in extraterrestrials. <sighs> Maybe. Whoa. No, actually, I do believe in them. I think it'd be naive to say that there is another intelligent life out there. But the chances of us right. stumbling across it or it stumbling across us is highly unlikely. Right. But that's cool. Whoa. Bananas. Total bananas. That's what we're Maybe here for. it was God's cigar. Oh. Bring in that's a theory. Bring an old religion into it, I see. Yeah, bring in the Jesus into it. See, that's what happens when you can't explain something. You just go to religion and it's fine. <laughs> Love it. Hey folks, Biggie here with some breaking news. My podcast, Karaoke Biggie, was just named the number one karaoke podcast of all time. Don't believe me? Well, you shouldn't. That category definitely does not exist. My co-host Kevmo and I are in a league of our own when it comes to podcasts. So why don't you check out the world's best, well, probably only, karaoke podcast, Karaoke Biggie. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or or wherever else you get your podcast. Or you can check us out at karaokebiggie.com. Come on by every Tuesday and give us a listen. And remember, you can't be a star if you don't shine. Okay, well, Michael, that I think brings us to... Hysterical history. Woo! Okay, so I I had a hard time defining this because there was a lot of ways I could have gone, but I was kind of interested in the Russian space program, specifically from the uh, USSR era, mm. because it was definitely an arms race, a space race with the U.S. And it was shrouded in a lot of secrecy because it was the fucking USSR. That's what they did. Right. Um, so I decided to kind of cover that and the cosmonauts. And, and man, the Russians were doing some really cool fucking shit. Seriously, they had a lot of firsts that the Americans could never beat. I think the one first that we truly got was that we landed on the moon and that's it. Right. So, and well, that being said, have you heard about the Russians' new mission? No. Their new mission is to prove that the moon landing was faked. Oh my God. (laughs) Not even. That's their number one mission right now. At least that's what God damn it. I have not looked this up at all. (laughs) Okay. Somebody fact check it for us. Let us know. We're lazy. We can't Google. It's yeah, fine. We can't be bothered. But 
you know, somehow I wouldn't be surprised because that's like a Trump Putin move. Right. They're like, well, you didn't really do this, but you didn't really do that. Um, God, they're like children. Oh, God, my foot's falling asleep. Okay. I have a kitten sitting on me. Sorry, everybody. Okay. (laughs) Um, So the Soviet space. Oh, God, I'm taking my microphone. The Soviet space program over its about 60 year history from the 1930s to 1991 was primarily classified a military program responsible for a number of pioneering accomplishments in space flight, including this is a crazy list. The first uh, intercontinental ballistic missile, also known as ICBM, the R7, first satellite Sputnik, first animal in Earth orbit, the dog Laika on Sputnik 2, first human in space in Earth orbit, the cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin on the Vostok 1, first woman in space and Earth orbit, uh, again, that's Valentina Tereshkova on Vostok 6, the first spacewalk the first moon impact, the first image of the far side of the moon, an unmanned lunar software landing, first space rover, first sample of lunar soil automatically extracted and brought to Earth, and first space station, the Salyut 1. Again, the one thing they really don't have the first of is landing on the moon. But you know what? Now they're going to do that. They're going to prove that we didn't do it and then they're going to go land on the moon so they can be the first (laughs) i see how this works okay so to start let's talk about the first artificial earth satellite uh sputnik and i'm going to talk about the pups the early sputnik satellites were not designed to withstand re-entry into earth's atmosphere however the Soviets undertook a series of experiments with animals aboard the orbiters to test the feasibility of manned, uh, manned spaceflight. One very unlucky pup, Leica, became the first animal to travel into space, and she did not return alive. No. Uh, yeah. After similar unsuccessful missions on August 19, 1960, the Soviets launched a pair of female dogs, Belka and Strelka, into orbit aboard a new spacecraft called Vostok. Belka and Shrelka became international media darlings when their module safely parachuted down after orbiting Earth for 24 hours. Uh, the canine cosmonauts were retired after their role or after their sole flight. Later, Shrelka delivered a litter of six puppies, one of which was given as a gift to none other than Jacqueline Kennedy. Oh, and yeah. And Belka and Shelka eventually died of old age and were stuffed for posterity. No. <laughs> they, <laughs> they can be viewed at the Cosmonautics Memorial Mu- Museum in Moscow. <clears throat> the whole crazy thing about that thing is that they returned it to taxidermy. Yeah. <coughs> well, at and least they're on display for people to go visit? I don't know. I guess. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. But I wonder, okay, so if that dog had a litter of six puppies, if you can actually, like, trace back. Because you've got to think that's, like, the most famous dogs in history besides maybe Old Yeller and Lassie. Yeah. Right. Um, and if, like, you can trace where their pups are now. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. So, here's the thing. We know that. The Soviet Union, like I said, kept everything really close to the vest. Like they 
didn't want people knowing what was going on. It was the space race. It was an arms race. The Cold War was, you know, the 60s was really some of the height of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that is a popular conspiracy theory, let me know if you've heard of this, is the lost cosmonauts or phantom cosmonauts. Oh. Have you heard of them? I don't. Maybe. It sounds familiar, but I'm not sure that I have. Okay. So the, so it, it's a theory alleging that the Soviet cosmonauts went to outer space before Yuri Gagarin, which was the first guy to go to space and orbit the Earth. But their existence has never been publicly acknowledged by either the Soviet or Russian space authorities. Um, people who argue for the lost cosmonauts theory state that the Soviet Union attempted to launch two or more manned space flights prior to Gagarin's and that at least two cosmonauts died in those attempts. Oh. Um, yeah. Another cosmonaut, Vla- Vladimir Ilyushin, is believed to have landed off course and been held by the Chinese government. Oh. Uh, the government of the Soviet Union supposedly suppressed this information to prevent bad publicity during the height of the Cold War. Because even though Russia and China at the time were, you know, were both communist nations, they were not on good terms. So right. that would have been highly embarrassing. Um, the evidence cited to support the lost cosmonaut theory is generally regarded as inconclusive, and several cases have confirmed to be hoaxes. For example, in the 1980s, American journalist James Oberg researched the space-related da- disasters in the Soviet Union but found no evidence of these lost cosmonauts. So the other thing is, in the fall, after the fall of the Soviet Union in the 90s, um, a lot of information that was previously confidential was released. And um, let's see. And so uh, even with the availability of published Soviet archival material and memoirs of Russian space pioneers, uh, no evidence has emerged to support the lost cosmonaut theories. <clears throat> so, I mean, either it was an amazing cover-up, which is unlikely. I mean, everything has a paper trail. Right. Um, or they didn't happen. So one of the more popular theories is the desire to beat the Americans to the moon, which ended in disaster. So sounds like, once again, they have a serious like chip on their shoulder about not being the first to the moon. Um so, yeah, we know the Soviet Union lost the man-moon landing phase of the moon race. However, some sources claim that just before historic Apollo 11 flight to the moon, the Soviets uh, attempted to beat the Americans. Despite the unsuccessful first test launch of the new Soviet N-1 rocket on January 20th, 1969, it is alleged that a decision was made to send manned Soyuz 7K L-3 craft to the moon using an N-1. So it was supposed to have happened July 3rd, 1969, and it ended in an explosion, destroying the launch pad and killing the cosmonauts on board. Oh, no. Yeah. So officials do state that the L-3 rocket was not ready for manned missions. Its moon landing module, the LK, had been tested a few times, but its orbiter, the 7K LOK, had not been successfully tested by the closing of the moon landing program at the end of 1974. So basically by 74, they're like, fuck it, it's never going to happen for us. Um, the closing of the program was officially denied and maintained top secret until 1989. So basically the, the theories are that they tried a whole bunch of tests and failed and they covered it up so that 
essentially their pride wouldn't be hurt. And also I can imagine so the world wouldn't criticize them for needlessly killing brilliant scientists and astronauts. That is uh, a pretty crazy theory. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, conspiracy theories are interesting. I don't buy into them at all. But it is fascinating. And I mean, there is a lot of mystery surrounding that time in the USSR. Um, All sorts of things of like, where's Hitler's body and and whatnot, you know? Yeah. So it's it's interesting to always see what people come up with in terms of like filling in the gaps of history's inconsistencies, I guess, or just like. Right. Well, it seems like a lot of this stuff would be pretty easy to prove. Like you find out who was supposed to have been blown up by failed missions and you just track their birth and death records. And if they never existed or if their death records say something else, you know, like I I just can't imagine it would be super hard to debunk. Well, who knows? That's the thing with conspiracy theorists is that they'll just say, "Oh, it's a, they're just covering it up. That's not right. a real document." That's a that's a fake birth or that's a fake death certificate. They yeah. he died years earlier or whatever. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's my hysterical history for the week. Russian cosmonauts. Uh yeah. really fascinating people. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. You're so welcome. I love space. Space. Hey everyone, I'm Vince. And I'm Emily, and we are hosts of Pipin' Hot Tea. Pipin' Hot Tea is a comedy podcast where we discuss anything and everything. You will not find another podcast like us. We bring you fresh, new, off-the-wall topics that are relatable and fun. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter for episode updates, debates, and so much more. If you want to connect with us, use the hashtag Podcast. You may hear us fight sometimes, because we pretty much fight in every episode. Seriously? Did you have to bring that up in the promo? What? Honestly. Did you... Okay, well, you might as well just end it. Okay. Okay. That brings us to our final segment of this episode. I'm just wondering if the Countess will be joining us today. She isn't. She's saving herself for Christmas, I think. Oh, bless her heart. Yeah, she, you know, she's old. She's got to, you know, save up all of her energy just to do those things for Christmas. So I get it. Well, it wouldn't be be Christmas without the Countess. Yeah. Countess Christmas. Christmas and the Countess. Your (laughs) weekly guide to the Christmas madness holiday season. (laughs) I see. I think I see this working really well. It's like an episode of Downton Abbey. Uh, yes, exactly. During Christmas time. Yeah. It's just, it Christmas just feels special. right. Yeah. Which I never understood because there was always very important plot points in the Christmas special, but then they would never like include it as part of the season. But it's the only thing that makes the season make sense. That's a very good point. <laughs> what? Go home, BBC. You're drunk. You're so drunk. Oh, anyway. Okay, here we go. So I don't have a movie review today. I have some facts about the making of 2001 A Space Odyssey. I just finished reading this excellent book. I think his name is Michael Benson about uh, the making of 2001 and how it got started, how Stanley Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke even (laughs) got together to create 
what is now known as like the sci-fi film to end all sci-fi films. Uh, It's yeah. 2001, a space odyssey, which is actually considered to be the first movie to move it from the like weird, hokey, cheesy little green men, science fiction of the fifties and Mm sixties into like the more intelligent, realistic science fiction that we know nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, they had the horrible backdrops where you're like, I can tell that moon is cardboard. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't really... It it was less science fiction and more science fantasy because nothing was really based in, like, true fact. So this is really one of the first films that really based itself in reality and looked at what could possibly happen in the future. And it still holds up pretty well today, even though they got the time period wrong. (laughs) What what year was it released? Uh, nineteen sixty eight. What that far back? Yeah, so it was actually the last film to be released before man first landed on the moon. Oh, okay. So they were like, well, it was the last science fiction film to be released before man landed on the moon. So they didn't even have all of that information that the Apollo mission came back with right yeah this is all just speculation and you know knowing from telescopes and whatnot and it it, like i said it still holds up to this day for in terms of like their depiction of jupiter and their depiction of the moon and it's just mind-blowing how accurate it is so stanley kubrick when he first started making this movie he wanted to get an insurance policy from a place called Lloyd's of Lund- London mm-hmm. in order to protect himself against massive losses in the event that extraterrestrial intelligence was discovered before the movie was released. No. <laughs> it was something crazy like a $1 million policy and Lloyd's was like, um, Shh. no. Really? <laughs> like, I would be like, yeah. fuck yeah, I'll take that gamble. You give me all your money <laughs> and make your movie. And what I would do is if I were Lloyd's, anything that was about to come out with extraterrestrial, whatever, I would just suppress it until after the movie was made and then let it out. You know, it's, it's a gamble yeah, right. I would take. Well, the uh, uh, from what it sounds like from the book, they were talking about it was just like too hard to define and like draw out the contract itself to be like what even is right how do you define that do you do little green men actually have to land or can we just get like a signal wave from a spaceship you know what i mean right exactly so that's why they were like yeah no um the okay this is really cool multiple composers and bands were asked to do music for the film i think it was two actually wrote uh, one wrote a full score for the film that Kubrick refused. And then another composer wrote just a couple of pieces. Uh, but he had grown to attach to the music he put in as a placeholder. And that is now the music that we, you know, equate with 2001, a space hmm. odyssey, like our theme music for today. You can't separate it from space. And that's all because Kubrick was like, Oh, I'm just going to put this music in here. So we have something when I'm showing people the movie. And then he was like, this actually works so perfectly. <laughs> Wait, so the the one you played earlier, that's from a space, a 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. What? I never knew where that came from. I just remember playing it and like 
middle school band or something and yeah. Well, well, it is a, I mean, it's a Strauss piece. It's, oh. it's, it wasn't made for 2001 A Space Odyssey, but it's just so associated with the movie it now. It really that. is. I never knew that was like, I always knew it was like associated with space, but I never knew that it was because of that movie. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, get this. Pink Floyd and the Beatles were two bands that were approached to provide accompaniment to the film. I could see Pink Floyd rocking that. I would fucking hate that. Oh, my God. Are you not a Floyd fan? Oh, I hate Pink (gasps) Floyd. I never knew this about you. (laughs) And The Wall. Oh, God, I hate that Well, it's so overplayed. Yeah, it's such a terrible movie. Okay, anyway, moving past that. Um, Last little fact. The first edit of the film was almost three hours long and caused over 200 people to walk out of the film at intermission during its premiere. Uh, But after some much needed cuts of redundant scenes, such as people running in space, (laughs) uh, the film prospered with young audiences in its now two and a half ish hour length, mostly because of the trippy Stargate sequence that uh, played in the in the film's final act, people just wanted to go and get high and watch the film. And now it's a staple of American cinema. One that I haven't seen, but is now going on the list, which is ever growing each week. Yeah. You just have to be patient with it. It's the first 25 minutes of film. Don't doesn't have any dialogue and it's not a very dialogue driven movie at all. So you just have to, that sounds Be very with typical Stanley Kubrick, though. Yeah, it's he's it's a wonderful film. Nuts. All so right. that's that on that. Cool. Well, now I, yeah, I definitely want to watch it. You should. I should. It's, it's, even if just for some good historical context, that'd be really great. Indeed. All right. Well, I think that brings us to our rando question of the week. Yeah, yeah. All right, Michael. If you were to go to space, what's one thing you couldn't live without? Hmm. The internet. Ooh, that's a very comprehensive one. <laughs> but I feel like you that's get everything from the internet. That's a given, though. Like when you're in, because you have to communicate and stuff, right? Yeah, but you you're not given, like. It's not good internet. Like they can send stuff to you, but you can't, you don't have like the entirety of the internet at your fingertips. So you can't play like Candy Crush Saga. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's not what I was thinking, but no, I mean, you couldn't. Priorities. That's fine. <laughs> well, because but my you gotta list... have your entertainment. So that's true. Well, okay. But here's the thing on the International Space Station, their schedule is crazy. So not only do they have to do two hours of exercise every day, they're basically up from 7 a.m. working 12-hour shifts. And then on the weekends, they're catching up on other things like that they couldn't do throughout the week. And they get like two hours of leisure time. Like it oh is God. so demanding to be on the International Space Station. Like fuck that shit. Yeah. Um, and they have a, a quite a comprehensive movie library apparently. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Well, I guess you can all just throw it on a hard drive and take it up with you. Right. 
So, but I'm like, my lips are really dry right now. So I'm like, chapstick, would that be a thing I'd bring? And I was like, oh, but I really like coffee. And, but then I'd have to pee all the time. And that, as we know, is very awkward in space. Yeah. So I think that I would not want to live without coconut oil because it can be used as lotion and chapstick and hair treatment and what, like, it's so versatile that it would just be incredibly useful. So I think that's what I would bring coconut oil. It's very practical. Yeah. You could eat it in a pinch. I mean, you could. You could cook with it, but I don't know how much cooking they actually do. I think they just rehydrate food. Yes. How crap would that be to never, like, have a properly hot meal for months? Yeah. but Man, those people are dedicated. You know, it's like I always thought, like, soldiers had it really hard. But, man, they got nothing on astronauts. Nope. Not even close. Cool. Well, yeah, let us know. What would you have to bring to space? What would be your thing? Your jam? Why don't you Um, jot your answers down and write them to us? Yeah, and you can also write us about some crazy stories. Or what if you had a crazy dream about space travel? That would be totally trippy. We want to hear about it. Let us know. And you can do that at Go Postal Podcast, P.O. Box 198514, Nashville, Tennessee, 37219. Or you can email us at gopostalpodcast at gmail.com. Because let's face it, who has stamps on hand these days? Am I right? (laughs) Michael, and where can they uh, reach us on the social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at gopostalpodcast. Because let's face it, who sends emails anymore? Duh. Um, (laughs) And also, I had a thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Obviously, iTunes is the big one, but yeah, we want to hear from you and let us know if we're doing a good job. If not, go suck an egg. Oh. (laughs) No, please don't. I appreciate you listening, whether you like us or not, but I figured you wouldn't be listening if you didn't like us, so there's that. Probably didn't make it this far. Probably not. Well, until next time, Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. (laughs) 